0: Today on the Topping Show, Bud Light Business Blunder causes two body plants and 645 employees to lose their jobs, while Yangling announces their first MLS partnership. AOC calls for change to the Supreme Court now that she doesn't have a majority. Chris Christie bashes Trump and DeSantis. YouTube bans Theo Vaughn's interview with Roseanne Barr. Joe Rogan calls out Bud Light. A professor fails a student for using the term biological woman on a study about men and women's sports. Raising Canes expands into New York. Monster Energy to acquire Bang Energy, Spotify may add video capabilities, Apple to decrease the production of their nerd goggles, I mean Apple Vision Pro, and Indiana Jones crashes and burns. All that and much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in. Today's episode of Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their founder at least choice day. Gossier is quite handsome and brilliant. Also, for the whole month of July, any project you do, you'll get a free 50 caliber musket courtesy of Topping Technologies. Click the video description to learn a little bit more. Now, going on to the business part of the podcast, you have Apple cutting back on production of their nerd goggles. Well, I mean the Vision Pro goggles that they said that they're making. I actually did a poll on LinkedIn, and right now, out of about seventy-five votes, fifty percent of people categorize them as nerd goggles. Twenty-five percent they're moderately innovative, and twenty-five percent they're innovative in terms of what is this product to the public. So I don't want to say I was right, but thus far, statistically speaking, of that small sample size on LinkedIn, I am right thus far. Now, specifically, Apple is going to cut the production drastically in. This is the hilarious part. Apple's claiming, oh, it's due to the the complexity is too much. That's why we're going to decrease production, because it's too complex. Really? Apple is a company that can somehow miraculously squeeze a phone thinner, thinner, and thinner. Their engineers are brilliant. They can cram more technology into a small little square inch than any other company I could possibly fathom, with the exception of perhaps the defense industry. But... It's one of those things where that's not the real reason. And they also claim it took seven years to make that headset, and they just unveiled it to lukewarm response uh, about a month ago, June 5th. And an internal memo actually leaked saying that Apple expected to sell about one million units of the product in 2024. However, we found that a Chinese contract manufacturer by the name of LuxShare, they actually just have a contract for only 400,000 units to be produced in 2024. Since in this case they're using a direct contractor for the actual assembly of the product. They're not making it 100% in house. They do that with a lot of the products as many companies do. Now it's one of those things where there might be some really good business applications for this technology at a $4,000 price point. Keep in mind it's $3,500 plus tax because you have to pay the sales tax. Let's average that to 10% depending on where you live in the United States. And then you have to pay some Apple warranty that's going to be a couple hundred bucks as well. So. It's about $4,000 for these nerd goggles. If I was the CEO or if I was in charge of a defense contractor like Lockheed Martin, Raytheon, and you're constructing devices that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars, and you have an augmented reality app where you can move around the structure of, let's say a missile or some type of complex machinery that you're building, I can certainly think that it could justify a $4,000 headset that for a business there might be some real world, real real world applications in that regard, but for the average consumer to spend four thousand dollars on these nerd goggles is ridiculous. It's laughable. Again, you already have the Oculus Pro, which Facebook bought out of that company a couple years back, and I believe that's three hundred to four hundred. I know the big deal with the nerd goggles from Apple is that you can see through them; they're kind of translucent, and you could. Do extra stuff, I guess. I saw the infomercial, and it's pretty lackluster to me. And again, when it comes to all this stuff, especially if you're under eighteen, like if it's a kid, read a damn book. Go outside. It won't kill you. Quite the opposite. You'll actually gain a lot in life to do that. But again, I think Apple overshot the consumer adoption rate for this premium product. I think they'd have to cut the cut the, if you cut the price in half. Even that's Even $2,000 for that, because again, for $2, and I'm not joking, for $2, you can get like a little cardboard thing you slide a cell phone in, and then you have the cell phone glued to your eyes for someone who wants to immerse themselves in that dystopian world. That's $2. And this does a little bit more. Yes, I understand that, but is it $4,000 more or $3,998 more than strapping yourself on your eyeballs? I'm pretty pessimistic. I mean, Apple does need to do something because they are kind of sitting on their laurels, some might say, in terms of they came out with a smartphone years ago, which, yes, we all know by now revolutionized the whole world of technology, especially for the telecom industry. They actually broke the network because when they first debuted because they are trying to push so much data through. Didn't make AT&T look good because that was an exclusivity contract they had at the time, but it did force the telecom prodi- providers to build out the infrastructure so that you could have... 5G, 4G, 3G, double banana, V, Falcon, whatever you want to call it, whatever you really care for the vernacular, they had to build it out so that now you can get the YouTube and all the stuff directly to your phone, wherever you are most of the time. So they did actually, that, that was a huge moment, pivotal moment in technological and technology history. But they've been sitting there and basically correcting royalties on just making the phones a little bit better, a little bit better every year. To really continue to be an innovator. And again, they hit the $3 trillion market valuation. That's, an astronomical business achievement. But if they want to keep that momentum, they can't just keep coming out with the same stuff every year. So I applaud them for trying something new and different. But I don't think this is it. And who knows? Time shall tell. Maybe, maybe in, a, in a couple of months, every American will just sit on their couch for 12 hours a day, strapped with the nerd goggles to their head, and they'll somehow be happy. Yeah, n- n- nevertheless, as you can probably tell. That is sarcasm, folks. I'm here all week. I'll actually teach the lessons, perhaps. Now, other interesting technological news. You have Spotify, considering they might add video features to their platform. Now, Spotify is one of the most popular podcasting platforms. Really came to the forefront because Joe Rogan had a, I think it was a rumor to be a 100 or $200 million contract with them. So that they have the exclusive rights to actually host his shows or his interviews. That's the only reason I downloaded Spotify personally. Now, granted, now The Topping Show is also on Spotify as well, so now I have two reasons to go there. Equally good resources, equally good interesting people, but I digress. Now, that being said, is really, for most artists, it's only raw audio. You don't get to see them. I think Joe had exclusivity, or he was able to get a little extra features, obviously, but for most people, it's just all audio, and they did come up with this unique idea where they are trying to compete more with YouTube and TikTok, which are very big contenders to go up against. And depending on how much they can't directly compete with YouTube, they don't have enough money, especially when it comes to long format videos, which they, I think Spotify knew that. So Spotify has come up with the idea to do short 30 second clips, almost like a preview to the songs or the podcast, where the artist can communicate with the fans, something that they thought about their work or they thought about when they were maybe creating that music or creating that podcast. This will do a couple things for this platform. It'll help bolster their capabilities as a platform, gives you an extra incentive to use them, especially if you have an exclusivity contract where that artist is only on that platform and you could only get that unique insight to their creation on that platform. That's a brilliant move. Now, this is gonna cost them a pretty penny. I don't know if they're hosted their application on Amazon Web Services, Microsoft Azure, or just on their own infrastructure. Think of a data center, you know, lots of servers, which are glorified computers, I know well rudimentary speaking technological terms, but going from audio to video is a huge cost. For my interview podcast, we got, we got the best Shure SM37B microphones, got the, and I think the Rodecaster, so we got the best microphones, the best uh, soundboard, and that cost was about te- 10 to 13% of the total budget of the show because the majority of that budget went to the video. The cameras were, I think, 1250 a piece. Then you have the lens, that's naked. And when you talk about cinematography, a naked camera means there's no lens on the camera. So that's another you know, $700,000 for a, an entry-level good lens. And then you have the 4K video switcher, which that was another three grand. It's all, all that adds up. And then you have to store the data. So we're buying, we have extra storage devices, Network a network attached storage array. And it's all because of the video. The actual audio storage is mini school, mini school. You're talking a couple gigs of data, whereas the show, one hour interview of an, uh, a one hour interview on that platform using that infrastructure is 756 gigabytes before you actually edit it and you actually try to compress it a little bit. That's a lot of data, and that's a lot of cost. So it'll be interesting to see. Even if they limit it to just 30 seconds, will this only be for their top 100 artists or? How are they going to control this cost? It's a big risk, they're going to have to build out the infrastructure either themselves or they pay a provider like Amazon Web Services to host it virtually for them on their platform, which is the Amazon cloud, which I always joke, there's no such thing as a cloud, it's just someone else's hardware, which is true. Instead of having the infrastructure of the computers and the servers on your building, it's over in Amazon's warehouse, who knows where, it's globally based. So time shall tell, but in terms of innovation and coming out with something different that can add value to the platform, Brilliant idea from Spotify. It'll be interesting to see how they execute the idea in the real world. Now, other interesting business views you have Monster Energy Drinks set to acquire Bang Energy. And it looks like they're going to purchase them out of bankruptcy for $362 million. Quite a pretty penny. Now, Bang actually fired Chapter 11 bankruptcy after having to pay Monster Energy a pretty hefty settlement. So, VPX, which is the parent company behind Bang Energy, Filed for bankruptcy last October after losing a $293 million false advertising lawsuit against Monster Energy. And previous to the October ruling, in April, Monster had won an injunction preventing Bank Energy from marketing its drinks as containing, quote, super creatine, which, I don't know, I have a rudimentary knowledge of some energy drinks, mainly the business end of the equation, but... From a cultural perspective it was fascinating to see this spike in popularity for bang energy drinks where seemingly everyone was interested in the product and it was just a social phenomenon very reminiscent of the book freakonomics where they talk about how certain branches spike in popularity at certain moments in history but bang energy certainly had that momentum but that lawsuit just kneecapped them completely and they've had struggles for many years bang energy Struggles actually date back to when the company split off from the distributor PepsiCo And they noted that it had acrimonious circumstances back in 2020 Now their spokesperson CEO Jack Owak, Oh, I believe it's O-W-A-C Or no, Owoc Oh no, O-W-O-C Even more peculiar to pronounce Not as easy as topping That's as easy it can be It's on every menu if you ever, I'm, I'm here all week that, that was a joke Not the best joke but is attempt. The landing was uh is painful, kinda of fell, but I digress. Now, the former CEO of Bang later noted that he accused PepsiCo of engaging in premeditated plan to destroy the energy energy drink. Now, I don't know if he has any solid evidence of that, but there are certain there's certainly a conflict of interest since PepsiCo, I forgot they own a majority or no, they did. It was a couple years back. They bought out a majority stake in the energy drink known as Rockstar. Which, contrary to their advertising, if you drink it, does not make you a rockstar. I had a can, and I looked exactly the same. I didn't know how to sing like uh, Gene Simmons or talking to him. Or what is a rock. What is the essence of a rockstar? Uh, I would say pejorative language, uh, swearing, decreased brain cell count, perhaps. Well, that, that might be true. There are a lot of artificial ingredients on there, but nevertheless, it did not turn me into a rock star, and I was quite disappointed, needless to say. Now, Pepsi has that brand, and there's more flavors of Rockstar energy than you could possibly comprehend. I think they even had a cucumber at one point, which I was one of the three customers who per- purchased that like five or six years ago when they had in the United States. So, PepsiCo already had this huge energy drink brand that they put a big dollars behind their marketing and advertising. You think of Every extreme sport, whether it be, I think the bike one, the um, off-roading, if it's not Red Bull, it is Rockstar. Those are the two biggest advertising mechanisms you see behind that. Then you also see Monster Energy every once in a while as well. Those are kind of the trifecta when I think of marketing, of actual energy beverages during those types of events. And it looks like Banging Energy was kneecapped again and again and again and when it comes to the marketing again i'm not a, i'm not a, a trademark attorney or just re- really skimming the case really quick i was i was pretty surprised they got that injunction and as soon as you get an injunction that's a fancy way of saying you're not allowed to sell the drink so a lot of your major drinks can't be pushed that's a big 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 issue and of course unfortunately bang went out of business Given the popularity of the brand Bang Energy, I would suspect that, that Monster is going to increase the production of the product, increase the distribution, and just further their over their overall encompassing and dominating of the energy drink market. I mean, there are only a couple big names out there, and time shall tell it's, if any startups can even start to rival them. We'll see. Now, other interesting business views, you have Texas invading New York. Well. Kind of. I mean, not, not physically. We, w- we would never want that. But in terms of business, perhaps. Now, you have Raising Cane's expanding into New York City. Now, Raising Cane's is a Texas-based fast food, casual dining, chicken finger restaurant. And it was actually started over in 1996 in Baton Rouge, Louisiana by Todd Graves and Craig Skilly. And they opened up a several thousand square foot flagship store in New York, specifically in Times Square. And they are going to open up a couple dozen more in the state as well. Which, in terms of a prudent business decision, is pretty darn clever if you want to go for the international market. Traditionally speaking, New York City is a huge tourist attraction. People across the globe will make the trek to go to that city to have a 3 to 8% chance of getting stabbed. Kidding, it's probably 50%. Well, calm down, the three New Yorkers who might be listening right now. But for a lot of people in the globe, they still think New York is the best thing since sliced bread. And they will go there in droves as a kind of staple of touring in the United States. So if you wanna expand your brand globally, that's a brilliant business move because you're gonna have all the international market going there, you're gonna see your nice restaurants, you're gonna get a really good taste for your food. And then eventually if Razor Canes expands globally, they'll already have that brand awareness. So they're not start starting from square one if they go into those markets. So instead of a business blunder of the day, that might be the business brilliance of the day time shall tell to see how they venture. Now going on to the culture part of the podcast you have Yaling announcing their first MLS partnership. Now Yaling is America's oldest brewery and their headquartered in Pennsylvania established in 1829 and I know school math and history scores are all-time low. Now the United States was founded in 1776 so they're not as old as the country but they're darn close. And they were established 194 years ago and they're still family owned to this day. Which, if you think of staples of Americana that are still American owned and still family owned, that's pretty darn rare. In terms of cultural significance, I believe Zippo also headquartered in Pennsylvania. They're still family owned. And, yeah, there's not many left, unfortunately. So to have something, have a legacy to go down from family to family, still make a great product, that's exceedingly amazing, especially in the brewery industry, when you have Anheuser-Busch InBev owning fifty-one brands internationally, so a lot of brands get sold pretty darn quick. Now, I did a little research. MLS, so this is the first MLS partnership. MLS stands for the Major League Soccer, which apparently some Americans are actually watching these days for reasons. It's a, uh, it's ridiculous. In Europe, they call it football. When, and of course in America, we think of football. that's the manly sport. Where we actually hit each other, run fast, dodge each other. Touch pass, kickback, quarterback, nickelback. It's all back up, whatever. But MLS is a major league stalker. Now, Ealing is specifically partnering with Austin FC, which makes sense, is actually headquartered in Austin, Texas. Interestingly enough, of all the beer brands to sponsor that specific city and that specific team, I would have thought Bud Light would be all over that, personally. But... They've also lost about 26 twenty six to 26 to $28 billion in stock evaluation since April 1st, which is a, is a fiscal joke, but they didn't mean it to be a joke with that marketing initiative. So they might not have as much money to spend on advertising, even though they claim they're going to spend three times on advertising this year in a, in a feeble attempt to build back the brand they so brilliantly destroyed for people on all sides of the political aisle. But getting back to the good company, Yaling, who doesn't really play politics. Smart. Now, when asked for, uh, Yale will become the first official partner of Austin FC. So that's a pretty good business move as well. They're getting a brand. FC. I believe FC Austin has been in in business for one, maybe two to three years. But there is something that is important when it comes to first to market. And in terms of cultural significance, there's more and more people internationally moving to Austin. So there's more and more people who like soccer. And it's also a Texas-based sporting brand, so there's gonna be some pride and some emotional attachment to the brand as well. So if you could kind of interlope your brand, the beer company, with the sporting brand, that could be a long, it could be a fruitful, long endeavor and profitable, profitable for all parties involved. Now, they claim they're gonna create a unparalleled game day experience for the fans, new state-of-the-art home at the Q2 Stadium, at the stadium, you'll find Yaling brand grab and go market concessions, allowing quick and convenient access to Yaling's brand, including the traditional lager and flight by Yaling. Which I don't I think I think I the last beer I had was 36 months ago. I, I usually prefer spirits personally, but for the Fourth of July to celebrate, I did have my first Yaling and I did get the light one, and it tastes pretty good to me. Granted, I have a small sample size of my palate, but. Makes sense that's a new product or the newer products are so also gonna have that the same as well. So pretty good move on gambling as they continue to become a cultural phenomenon in terms of one of the few brands that isn't really pontificating, we believe in XYZ politics. Some people just wanna have a beer and relax and unplug for a little bit and watch some sports balls on the field. So I think it'll be a good long, long-term long endeavor for all involved. Now, other interesting news: you have Joe Rogan calling out Bud Light as Many people have, and he is the most popular podcaster in history, bar none. More views on his, more people watch him than any news network. Granted, those are mostly dog shit anyway, but still, a lot of people respect his opinion. He's so popular, I don't even have to give an intro, though I will. He's a famous podcaster, comedian, and UFC announcer. Jack of all trades. Now, when the topic came up during a recent interview, he said, quote, the only time capital respects opinions is when people boycott shit and it works. Like the Bud Light thing. And now there are people who don't, who who are like, don't do that again. Unquote. Which, it's, it's true. If I was a shareholder in Bud Light, which the only people who were, if you shorted the stock April 1st, brilliant, you're rich beyond all belief. But if I was a shareholder, I would be telling the CEO to get fired. And I'd say, apologize and never get involved in politics again. Ever, ever, ever. Stick to pretending like you love America, even though now you're owned by Belgium-based InBev, which they created Anheuser-Busch InBev. That's the new global company. I would tell them, yeah, don't do this. You're losing us money. Quite literally destroying jobs. Now, Joe Rogan further explained, quote, take a brand like Bud Light. It's a blue-collar drinking... It's a blue-collar drinking people... Sorry. Dyslexia. It's a real thing, probably. For me, maybe. Now, quote... Take a brand like Bud Light. It's for blue-collar drinking people, and they like to watch football and drink Bud Light, and then all of a sudden, they have this mentally ill person who's just an attention whore, unquote. Which, yeah, that's pretty damn uh, accurate. If you look at the previous videos of Dylan Mulvaney before Dylan had his Dylan's thing, YouTube is like 1984. If you say certain pronouns that they don't agree with, your YouTube videos are... Take it off the platform completely which is why i'll also eventually be building this off on rumble and twitter as well I actually have a i have a twitter handle for the show it's called the topping show and i'm starting to use it more and more check it out if you'd like to see a little bit more now before dylan decided to celebrate 365 days of being a woman by embracing the most stereotypical and i would say offensive things um and unrealistic things that women apparently do like having a video where dylan prances through the forest wearing high heels and I did ask my mom and my sister, I said, is, is this something that women do? Is That's a fun... And of course, they, they laughed at me because it was a joke because obviously they don't do that. But even before that, Dylan was on a little Jeopardy show and the body language and the facial expressions, the pontification and the overly emotional, it's all the same. It's just now there's different clothes and million-dollar sponsorships. So apparently... The company's like what he's doing. It's doing, Dylan's, I digress, video's gone, I guess. Now, Joe Rogan further explained, quote, I think it's an ESG thing and Target lost billions of dollars because people are sick of this shit. They're sick of social things that are controversial, getting stuffed in your face where you don't want to accept it and people are like, I don't want to accept it. I'm just here for some effing toilet paper, unquote. Very true. Very true. People don't, I don't think of people where they go, you know what, Timmy, Johnny, Sally, the family, let's go to a grocery store and see things that are about topics we don't want to talk about or are not age appropriate. Like, even, like, I don't know why stores continue to do this, partially because the ESG scores, it, it affects everything the business does in terms of who invests in the company, where they get their financing from the banks, it's a quite it's quite literally a big deal and time shall tell to see if anything is done to reverse that Marxist scoreboard, but Outlook is not so good. But now that one of the most influential podcasters in history is speaking up about the topics more and more, it'll be interesting to see how much of a cultural shift this has as many people in the middle of the political aisle, they also tune into Joe Rogan. It's not just people on the left or people on the right, there's a Really, he quite literally has the largest audience. So it will be interesting to see if now that he's giving more and more of his input, does that help shift the cultural discussion a little bit and start shifting some opinions? I certainly hope so. As I always say, time shall tell. Other interesting cultural news, you have a professor failing a student for using the term biological woman. Now, this particular moron, I mean professor, I mean professor is way too nice. Usually, well, traditionally, professors used to teach things like facts and history, but, but not these days. Now, this professor is known as Melanie Rose Nipper, and she said, Olivia, who is um, the student in this case, Olivia, this is a solid proposal. However, terms like biological women are exclusionary and are not allowed in this course as they further reinforce heteronormal heteronormative. which my my eyeballs hurt from rolling back in my head so, so far. And this is, this is hilariously a teacher who teaches a course by the name of women's gender studies, which I, I wish this student during a class would ask the professor, what is a woman? Because I guarantee this professor would abdicate from that question. That professor would not address it. They would say, oh, it's whatever you think. So this class is really useless because you don't if if there's no differences differences between the sexes and genders what what's the point of the class then? Are they talking about Henry Ford? I presume. We don't know what he, we don't know if he was what he was. You know, yeah. Now, this student Olivia uh, Krawlak's her project was specifically about biological men competing in women's sports. So especially in that actual use case. You would have to use those terms to delineate the parties that are involved in the actual study. If you don't if if Olivia was to not use those terms like biological woman, the person reading the study would have no idea how to delineate between all the different parties involved. Quite literally 1984, but some might say objectively worse. Now, Olivia did speak out on the TikTok, and thankfully it's on the Twitter, so i to download that. That, app, that spyware app, but let's listen to what she had to say. I got a zero on a project proposal in my class because I used the term biological women, which is apparently not allowed anymore. She even said it was a good project proposal, um, but I got a zero because I used this term as exclusionary and not allowed anymore, so. And on that, I'm pretty sure every note, every term that you d- use to delineate different groups is exclusionary by its very definition. The only term that's all encompassing is American because we're the best country on the planet. And as long as you're assistant here, you're American. But I digress for now. And I 100% know that this is like the most biased grade ever because my project is about transgenders competing in biological women sports. How am I supposed to do my final project if I can't use the word biological women? But that's what my project is about. Precisely. On point, Olivia, on point. Now, what's ex- this is actually pretty common pl- common practice on college campuses. Longer than the days, where a college was a type of scenario with Socrates and philosophers, where you actually go to debate ideas and learn about new things. It's mostly an indoctrinational hellhole where you just are c- bludgeoned over the head with one political ideology, and if you're not, they'll be they'll force you to bend a knee or socially ostracize you. Needless to say, my my view of colleges has gone down precipitously and rapidly actually over time now what makes this even more rare is that the student actually filed a complaint and even more rare the school did something for the student that's unprecedented usually the school which are glorified marxist campgrounds they would just say oh yeah the teacher's right failed the student the student questioned the the narrative but it looks like the University of Cincinnati is now forcing the professor to take a course on free speech. That's beautiful. Now, there are words that come to mind. It seems like every American should have... You shouldn't need a class to teach you free speech, but our country's gone such... It's gone downhill so much that you need a class on it. It should be something everyone is brought up with, where you just tell kids from the get-go. I might not agree with someone's opinion but i'll fight to the death for the right to have that opinion that used to be the thought of all americans left right center everyone believed in that and now we have states like michigan who are quite literally making it a felony if you hurt someone's feelings i'm not joking that passed their house is i believe it's now out under their senate for approval it passed one of their legislative bodies successfully and if you break it it's either jail or i believe ten thousand dollars because you offend someone so, they actually specifically note misgendering, which, especially if you're someone of the religious, you're faith based or religious based, that's not something that they're kosher with, as perhaps the Jewish community might say. I don't know if that's a good joke or not. I don't know. Let me know in the comments if you think it failed or moderately succeeded. Time shall tell. But it is interesting to see someone actually pushing back against the college narrative for the first time in decades. One of my favorite books by Ben Shapiro, wrote, I believe it is. The authoritarian moment or how to destroy America he actually wrote how 98% or 99% of all college staff professors are liberal so so much for diversity on college campuses at least for diversity of thought which in my opinion it would be nice if there's a good 50-50 split between professors and their ideological theories and their ideals so students could actually be exposed to new ideas which used to be what colleges were for back in the day now Other interesting cultural news, you have Bud Light causing two bottling plants to close and lay off 645 employees. All thanks to Bud Light's business blunder of hiring someone whose average age of consumption, or their average viewer on the TikTok, was about 15 years old. And Bud Light goes, that's going to be our spokesperson. That's a good idea. Let's target those. Yeah, Even though kids can't buy beer, let's have someone whose core audience is kids Pay this person lots of money. Get a special can. Let's see what happens. You saw what happens. So they've lost about $28 billion in stock evaluation. Millions upon millions millions of dollars in sales. And after being the top selling beer in the United States for 20 years, they just lost lost that spot to Modelo a couple weeks back. Keep in mind, Modelo in the United States is owned by Constellation Brands. So it is a separate entity. That was the only way that... The United States Security Exchange Commission, the SEC, would allow Anheuser-Busch and InBev to combine into one global company. So in the United States, Modelo is a separate brand. Globally, yes, global sales of Modelo, that is part of Anheuser-Busch InBev. But we're talking about USA right now, for at least for the sales figures. The first time in 20 years, Polite lost that spot because of this marketing business blunder. And it looks like the ripple effect of that action is still being seen throughout the industry. Now, these are specifically two separate entities that partner with Anheuser Bush Bud Light. They're the supplier for the bottles that make Bud Light, which has to be really expensive because it's such acidic, crappy swill. If it was regular glass, it would just melt and come out the bottom and eat away your feet if you fall on your toes. I assume. I have had one in years, but I could only assume that's still the contents that's inside. Now, this is specifically Argdale Group, which last week noted they were shutting down their Wilson, North Carolina, and some some borrow Louisiana plants. The Wilson plant employs nearly 400 people and the Sims Barrow plant employs nearly 245 people. And if you look at it, it now this is kind of peculiar. When asked for comment, the companies actually claimed that they were closing due to a multi-year optimization plan. However, obviously it sounds like BS, because it is more like a political statement. A study by WRAL found that Argyle was forced to close the plants due to declining sales of Bud Light, who is one of their major contractors. So if you have a plant that makes bottles and your biggest customer decided to shoot themselves in the foot so their sales just declined exponentially, they don't need as many bottles. So obviously it's going to hurt your sales. And it looks like it hurt the sales so bad that to close down these factories. And it looks like a memo leaked about May 18th They noted that specifically it was due internally. They told their employees, yeah, this is due because of the Bud Light boycott. Or more, more accurately, Bud Light shooting themselves in the foot and the consumer is not appreciating their marketing initiatives. Now, it is interesting that in business, there is a lot of politics behind it. And I can understand why the plant is not wanting to, what do you call it culturally speaking, slam dunk on someone. They don't want to actually admit, oh yeah, this is because of Brandon Whitworth, the CEO of Bud Light, as well as Alyssa Heiderschild, the VP or yeah, the VP of marketing, the first woman in marketing in the alcohol beverage industry. She will be remembered. I guarantee you that. Promise that. But are they I'm thinking the buying plant is just concerned because historically that was probably 80% of their business. A lot of the companies, a lot, there's an old-fashioned rule in business known as the 80-20 rule. Or typically speaking, 80% of your results will come from 20% of your actions. Or 80% of your sales will come from 20% of your customer base. It's It's been proven true many times across many industries. It's a fascinating thing. Uh, actually, it's not on the shelf, but I think I might have to rebuy that book again because it is a fascinating business read. But if I were to guess the long-term relationship these plants had with Bud Light, I would think that was their biggest client. And if I was that plant, going forward, I'm guessing they're hoping they're gonna increase their sales of other Anheuser-Busch, InBev beverage properties, like a different brand that they own. Because InBev, Anheuser-Busch, InBev, they own 51 brands of beer. That's a lot of swill. And if the theory is, and again, I don't think it's true, but some are thinking, if but the Bud Light brand goes away or just decreases exponentially to a very small sales volume, another brand might take its place, like Michelob Ultra or I believe Shock Top. They own a bunch of beers, obviously. And if that increases in demand, they'll need more glass bottles. Now, I don't know if they're selling these properties of these bottling plants, or they're just closing them down, they're going to hold out the physical assets for a while, but at the end of the day, it's disheartening. It's quite sad to have so many Americans lose their jobs. This isn't, their, this isn't something they asked for. This is, just, uh, this is not something that they can control. It's all because of the CEO of Bud Light, Brandon Whitworth, making the wrong call. <laughs> and then you have the... Um, yeah. We have Elizabeth Heidersch- Heiderschild with her brilliant marketing initiative that destroyed the brand. So it's quite sad. I hope maybe this plant at last minute will get a contract from maybe Yaling or a competitor who might be able who or I know Cores, Miller Light, a lot of the other brands are rather separate companies. They are having their sales increase exponentially. Maybe they'll need some extra capacity. So that look is not so good for these plants, but I really hope that the employees are able to find jobs at a newer brewery or rather more accurately a newer production plant for these bottles and hopefully they won't have too much of disruption or they're not in play for too long. And we'll see, but I'm hope I'm hopeful always hoping for the best when people are put in those types of situations. Now other interesting cultural news you have Theo Vaughn as well as Roseanne being banned from the YouTube. Now Theo Von recently interviewed Roseanne Barr who's a comedian I believe Actress, I think if you're on TV, this counts as acting, and she made some jokes around the 2020 election as well as the Holocaust. Now, a little disclaimer, a little, I guess, a note that many people are bringing up is that she is Jewish herself, and she now, I don't know if it's ironic or just perfectly. It is, hilariously, death. YouTube is sometimes, oh, well, most of the time, but it's one of those instances where. She made a joke about how you're not allowed to make jokes, and YouTube proved her right by censoring and removing the video completely. Now, YouTube actually banned the video, saying it was based on hate speech. Which there's no such thing. Hate speech is just speech you don't like. Because I have yet to hear someone get in trouble for saying for making fun of Catholics or Christians. It's an attack on the First Amendment. My three cents. It used to be two cents, but forty-year high, 40 high hyperinflation. I had in Greece. i I'm, I'm sorry. It's just the way the world is right now. Now, this means that Theo cannot upload videos for a single week. And it also means if he gets, I believe, three strikes in 90 days, so this is considered a strike, his channel is permanently deleted and gone. And keep in mind, he's a stand-up comedian, so I believe most of his income comes from touring around the country and selling tickets for the shows. But a lot of these people make their livings on YouTube. So to have a week where you can't make any money, that's a huge kneecap on their business and their capabilities. Now, the YouTube. The YouTube uh, charlatan, I mean spokesperson, by the name of Jack Malone said, quote, We issued a strike to Von's channel for violating our hate speech policy, which prohibits content promoting violence against groups or individuals based on attributes such as race and religion. As a result of this strike, the channel is prohibited from uploading content to YouTube for one week. Unquote. Now, there's a disclaimer. You can absolutely make sense of religion if you're Catholic or Christian. Those videos are all over and those are just fine, because YouTube doesn't care about those. Now, ironically, it's also brought more people's attention to the culture war, and more and more people are starting to go to the alternatives, such as Twitter, as well as Spotify, as well as... What was the other one? It's Twitter, Spotify, Rumble. And the show, with the Avon interviewing Roseanne Bound, is still on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. For now, it's a very fluid situation, and unfortunately many men when under pressure, simply acquiesce and Bend the Knee. Thankfully, historically speaking, the Spotify CEO has been pretty adamant for his speech. But character is not truly known until it's tested, so I hope he continues to pass the test. Now, Elon Musk, for his part, obviously the CEO of Twitter, well many companies, one we're talking about now is Twitter, he actually tweeted the show, so he, he tweeted a video of the Theo Vaughn interview, and he said, comedy is legal on this platform. Now that post by Elon got 224,000 likes. In two days, in sixty point six million views. And you should also know that Theo Vaughn gained twenty two thousand nine hundred seventy eight Twitter followers in one day, which is huge. As more and more people are looking for alternatives, it's going to keep growing exponentially. You can also, follow me on the Twitter hashtag n i c t o p p i n g. Someday I'll get the the shorter hashtags, kind of like we have domain. Well, we'll see. Now, thankfully, it looks like they're gaining more steam on those art platforms, and hopefully those platforms remain beacons for free speech, as, unfortunately, 1984 becomes more and more of a book that no longer belongs in the nonfiction, or it belongs in the real world, is no longer science fiction, unfortunately. Now, going on to the political part of the podcast, you have Chris Christie bashing Trump and DeSantis for... Reasons now, Chris Chris Christie is a lawyer and politician from New Jersey. So, already very likable, probably totally not corrupt at all. And he was the governor from New Jersey from 2010 to 2018. Now he's a commentator on ABC News, member of the Christie Law Firm, has a Christie 50 Fast Solutions, which which sounds like a weight loss thing, but it definitely isn't. Because if it is, it's not working on him obviously. Now, the former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie on Sunday condemned the campaign Florida campaign video from Florida governor Ron DeSantis released in which he bashed Donald Trump for voicing his support for the LGBTQ community. Now, thankfully, I haven't gotten to the point where I'm putting video in video, I say thankfully because your, your eyes might burn from this, but, um, he's not, Chris Christie is not a photogenic man is what I'm trying to say. But let's hear what he has to say. are trying to divide us further and it's wrong. They're trying to divide us further. So let me insult the two top Republican candidates. Interesting idea. We have big, big issues to be talking about here. What runaway inflation, um, how our students' educational results are down again this year across the country and non-competitive with other parts of the world. And this type of video does nothing to, to, to address those issues. Um, and it is a, it is a teenage you know, food fight between Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump. Now, in terms of his speech, I'm not going to ding him on the stuttering. Shoot, I've had that throughout my life. Something you got to work on and people get better at it over time. So that, oh, I'm not going to bash him on that part of his little speech there. It is hilarious, however, that he brought up a food fight when he very much enjoys food. I'll, I'll just say that much. And he also managed to use the word big, which he's a big deal, physically speaking but I don't know what he's hoping to get out of this because he's failed time and time again to get a a next step in his political career. And traditionally speaking, and again, I don't don't agree with most political strategies, but usually when it comes to politics and presidents that are running, you'll have a couple mid-level politicians. They're not going for the presidency, but they'll voice their support for the presidential nominees, partially because they're hoping they'll get some positions when that position when, when um, the presidential nominee becomes president and they'll be, get a position on their cabinet or some task force or something, something like that. Doing this, I don't know what Chris is hoping for because you're insulting Trump and he has a pretty good memory of people who insult him. I don't, so I don't think you're going to get a job with him. And DeSantis, who his campaign is struggling significant, it's almost like he's doing a copy-paste of Jeb Bush's campaign, which, spoiler alert, didn't work at all. I think the only memorable thing about Jeb Bush, besides having no energy at all, is that he carried some stupid turtle in his pocket. Which was the dumbest thing possible. I've, I forgot his... He had some fancy reason for holding a turtle in his pocket. as a little toy turtle, I guess. But it didn't make him look intelligent, smarter. It, yeah, it just shows you how bad of a marketing idea that was. Because to this day, I don't remember why he did that stupid thing. But I know he did it. Maybe because maybe because he's like a turtle. He's slow, pretty, not very rememberable, memorable. But nevertheless, in terms of political movement on the chessboard, I don't know what Chris Christie is hoping for. Because this isn't going to help him get a job. It's not increasing his brand, whatever that's worth. So, in terms of political move, that's probably, that's got to be the political blunder of the day. It's not really doing much. If he wants to become a Democrat, maybe he's insulting the top Republican nominees. So, he's already in New Jersey, which is more blue. Maybe... But if that was the case, he'd probably be proudly saying he supports whatever Democrat nominee, whether it's Biden or RFK, or maybe who knows who's going who knows who's really going to be running. It's a long way till that. Is, there's still plenty of time for people to throw their hats in the ring for that race. We'll see. Now, other interesting culture or political news: you have AOC calling for changes to the Supreme Court. Now, AOC is also known as Alexandria Ontario. Anta- August cardio Cortez. And she's also probably more known for being a bartender, where she actually brought value to customers because she would bring drinks, which was probably a lot more value than she does now. She's actually a proud, self-proclaimed socialist, which man, she should go to Cuba for a couple days, or you know, Venezuela for a couple days. Just that if you really love socialism, might not you get some first hand experience in it and let me know what you think. This is the reason our families don't go back there. Now, she claims that, and you see this a lot from people in politics, specifically leftists or, you know, people on the far left. It's one of those things where you're playing a game, and as soon as they start to lose, they want to take their ball and go home, like a child. Which, in terms of inte- intelligence, she would probably be on par with intelligence of most children. Keep in mind, we have the record low rates for history and math scores for public school children. So, that's even more dis- than usual. Burn. Or... As a, as a youth might say in terms of a insult. Now, quote, when she asked for comments, she said, the courts, if they, were so, if they were to proceed without any check in their power, without any balance of their power, then we would start to see an undemocratic and frankly dangerous authorization expansion of the power in the Supreme Court, unquote. Now, I know saying she's as dumb as a pile of bricks as in, or rocks is an insult to those pile of rocks, because I have a pet rock, And to this day, Rocky, if I put Rocky on a piece of paper, he'll hold the fort down. That paper isn't going to fly away if a fan hits it. And actually, if I tell it to sit there, it'll sit. So I apologize to the rock community right now. I'm I'm sorry to the rock community. They are not as dumb as AOC. She is dumber. I, I didn't mean to insult Rocky or the Pet Rocks out there. You guys are great. Now, part of the reasons the Supreme Court is important is because it's supposed to be separate from influence and those other bodies of government. I know no one in america i know very few people study government and history these days which perhaps is by design but yeah now that for the first time in my life the supreme court actually has a couple people who they have more people who believe in the constitution than not which is pretty damn rare which is why you're starting to see some of these different some of these rulings come back differently as opposed to people just voting based on their party allegiance which again that's why some people were put in there because they don't have brains. They just have they're just a rubber stamp where they just go, "Oh yeah, the party wants this?" Well, I'm not I'm not even going to reference the constitution. I'm just going to say what I I'm just going to, you know, say what the party wants to say, which ridiculous. We need more constitutionalist judges in my opinion who actually know what the United States stood for and stands for. But that's just my three cents. It used to be two cents but that damn hyperinflation keeps getting us. Now Specifically, when she was asked, you know, she said, in ending federal abortion rights last year and landing a blow to the LGBT protection in a decision on Friday, the court is signaling a dangerous creep towards authoritarianism, which, unquote. And again, saying she's as dumb as a pile of rocks, it does the rock community so injustice. I just continue to feel bad for that, that, that comment I made a couple minutes ago. Because... Yes, everything she said is wrong. Like, it's <laughs> it's ridiculous. Now, in regards to the, a big blow to the LGBTQ community, she's indirectly referencing the case in which you had a Christian faith-based web designer, and the web designer said that they would not de- want to design a website for certain beliefs that go against their faith-based ideological beliefs. Very really similar to you should not have to bake the cake if you're the baker. Where you had that famous Supreme Court case a few years back where you had a couple go to, I think, 35 different bakeries until they found one that said they would not bake the cake for the LGBTQ wedding. The baker, people keep forgetting about this, the baker said he would bake a regular cake. but He would not bake a specific wedding cake because that specific cake goes against, that specific case for that specific use case goes against his faith-based beliefs. And it is unfortunate that faith is at an all-time low in the United States. Hopefully that trend reverses, as I think it's a great backbone for society. It's worked for thousands upon thousands of years in Greece. In my opinion, it gives people a great blueprint to be a phenomenal person. And in terms of politics, in Biden's defense, which is something you don't hear me say a lot, I do like to look at all sides of the political aisle. And if something's good, if someone does something that I believe is constitutional correct or morally correct, I will call them out and give them kudos or the opposite of kudos appropriately. Now, Biden has said that he does not support any changes to the Supreme Court, which I hopefully agree with. If you start to add states to the United States or add extra people to the Supreme Court or pack the Supreme Court as some, that would truly be authoritarianism because you're just literally injecting your own opinion and you're injecting you're planting people in the Supreme Court for the sole purpose of getting your way. They're not putting people that, they wouldn't nominate constitutionalists. Let's just say that if AOC had her way and she wanted to put people in the Supreme Court, you'd see people protest like they have not protest before if you were to mess with the Supreme Court. Because again, it's supposed to be impartial. And you're already seeing, pro, I believe it was after the, the Roe v. Wade memo leaked, which in terms of security and accountability, we still know who leaked that memo. That should have been a huge investigation. It was the first time it's ever leaked. And ironically, because they leaked that memo before the public announcement from the Supreme Court, they kind of had to stick to what they were saying in the memo, because if they did change their tone, it would show that they were directly influenced by the mob, which you cannot have. But I digress. So Biden is saying that he does not support any changes in the Supreme Court. We'll see how long he's around. He's still got about the presidential elections right around the corner, and his health is continuing to deteriorate. And his colleagues are much more adamant about packing the court and cheating the system, as some might say. But, as I always say, time shall tell. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day, you have Indiana Jones crashing and burning. Called it. I wasn't alone in calling that, but, yeah, many people called it and I concurred. I moderately called it. Well, no, 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 I called it. I wasn't the first, but I wasn't the last. Now, It's just crazy. I mean, who would have thought that people would want to see Harrison Ford constantly bullied by a feminist woke woman? Now, this particular feminist is known by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. And apparently she punches him in the movie and is adamantly proud about that. Yet another reason not to see that garbage. So... It was the most disrespectful. Again, I haven't seen the damn thing. I've seen the previews, which are painful enough for my for my eyeballs. But does anyone? Does any true Indiana Jones fan say, you know what? I want to see Indiana Jones not in his prime. But I see him constantly, constantly disrespected and constantly bullied by the unattractive woman. And I unattractive, I mean, mentally. Well, also physically, but mainly mentally. But does anyone think? They want to see the, this character that they loved for generations. And now they're making Indiana Jones look like a doddering old man. And, you know, she's, ooh, I, hear me roar, I'm a woman. Wise Man once said, there's a time and place. And also, marketing is important. And, well, yes, acting is important. The screenwriter, yeah. They pretty much messed up everything for this movie. And it's one of those things where the more you try to artificially inject feminism into co- pop culture, the more it fails there are great movies where you have a female lead i believe what was it the vampire one underworld that movie did phenomenally people loved um that gal oh it's gonna kill me oh that movie uh, it was a good movie same with resident evil i think that's milo J- mila Jovish but resident evil that movie had a female actress and people loved that movie partially because it wasn't Pushing political crap down your gullet and putting it in your face—it was just a good movie that happened to have a female lead. It wasn't pushing a political narrative. That's why I think those movies succeeded. Same with the movie Alien, one of the most, one of the best sci-fi movies. For many, many people love that movie. But in this case, you're having someone just bully an old, decrepit Harrison Ford, and he still has a great voice. Shoot, I think he should do some audiobooks. Books, but he looks tired and they had to, they spent a lot of money on the movie de-aging him using cgi they also had to have other people do the stunts and it's just a complete abomination to the original character the indiana jones in the last crusade that's where it should have ended it's, it's in the it's in the title the last crusade you also had sean connery in the movie and he's a great actor so you had two great actors in that movie and it was a great send-off the movie concluded because Disney is so, so greedy, and they're so uncreative, just doing a copy of a copy of a copy like a shitty photocopy machine, it degrades more and more and more, and that's where you get this. It's utter trash. And the numbers prove my point. So the estimated budget for the movie to produce, and again, this is pr- to produce it, not to advertise it. That's another double that. Just to produce the damn abomination of a film was $300 million. And now they're opening weekend. They made $60 million at the box office. Now, keep in mind, that's the box office. They don't get all that money. They share that with major theaters, whether it be AMC or Cinemark. They don't get to keep that full amount. And there are rumors on what's the split. But some say 50-50. It's a 60-40. But they're not, they're not getting every dollar of that dollar you hear when it says the box office made this. They're getting a percentage of that. And is hilarious to see the excuses are starting to come up here. And some of the excuses from these analysts are saying that, well, it, it, the movie's taking because it wasn't diverse enough. No one... That's the dumb... I've heard a lot of dumb takes in my day. Pretty much anything AOC says. But, in terms of dumb takes on films and cinematography, that's ridiculous. No one has tuned into an Indiana Jones film prior for that reason. I don't think... I don't see how that would be a pivotal moment. You also had some of the original cast who are. I believe some of them are diverse, or they, they are um, of different backgrounds than Indiana Jones or Harrison Ford. And also, they actually eliminated Shia LaBeouf, who apparently was Indiana Jones' son in the previous movie. So there's no continuity. Like, they didn't even think about continuity besides Harrison Ford getting older. That that might be the only continuity of the whole damn film. And I feel sorry for people that actually paid for this garbage, but it is just ridiculous beyond all belief. And in pure Disney fashion, perhaps they're getting more desperate for more money. They have more merchandising crap for this movie than a Star Wars film, which, yes, Disney actually branded oranges for the Star Wars movie. Everything must be branded. I understand it's a big, you get extra money, because in terms of licensing, if I were to pay someone to put my logo uh, on, like a, um, on a mug for them to sell it, you get a licensing fee you don't have to do anything you just sit there and say hey here's a piece of paper sign it you give me a percentage of everything you sell because you have my intellectual property on your product so for disney it's good because they're just getting money to do nothing except license the intellectual property of indiana jones but they're doing it for everything and it has not almost nothing to do with the movie one of them is like a toffee coffee so on my facebook page because unfortunately because i say the words indiana jones they think oh i really want to see the new ones oh dear god no but I see all these ads. One of them was for a toffee-flavored coffee. In all the movies, did Indiana Jones ever spend a lot of time going, Oh, yes. I'm a coffee enthusiast. This is great. The only thing he drank that I can remember is whiskey. Or well, rather, he asked for whiskey when he's bent over the bar in the bag, I guess. And famously, and I believe this is The Last Crusade? No, no. That's where it's locked. Arc. It's the one with the... Uh, so he's at the bar. He's bent over. He ask he asks her for whiskey, and I believe it's a Jameson, Black Label, or Jack Daniels. But he gets whiskey. bolly, you know, flips it and hits the bad guy in the head. So he asks for whiskey once, and then famously he drank the holy water, or he drank um, water from the uh, cup of Christ, which is why Harrison Ford can't die because Indiana Jones: and The Last Crusade. Spoiler alert: He drank that, which gave him eternal in, eternal life. So, where's coffee coming to play? You're right, it doesn't. It has nothing to do with the movie. Now, also, even more moronically, is a watch. And a watch, for the designer's credit, it does look like a more vintage watch, but when has Harrison Ford ever, ever said, oh yeah, let let me get the time here, or whatever he sounds like. I'm certainly no voice impressionist of Indiana Jones or Harrison Ford. Or am I? It's not the years... What do you say, famously? It's not the years I get you, kid. It's the miles. Yeah, I know that's pretty bad. Probably, probably. Probably not the best. But nevertheless, my point still stands. I don't even think he wears a watch in the first three or four films. And now they're trying to sell an Indiana Jones watch. That might make sense for, like... That would make sense for a James Bond movie. Where a watch is a gadget. And famously, throughout the films, he uses certain brands of the watch... And he uses the watch in the movie, and it's a reference point like a gadget. That makes sense, but for Indiana Jones to use that? It's ridiculous. And again, opening weekend, they made $60 million, which is nothing compared to a $300 million budget. On, and then you have to have more advertising on top of that. So conservatively, let's guess they spent $600 million, $600 million to a to billion, dollars, if you really want to stretch it, if you go to the 2X multiplier for budget versus advertising, or production budget versus advertising budget, there's no way they're making their money back on this film. And Disney's just doing it again and again and again. It's almost like they don't listen to logic. It's... I can't think of a good enough metaphor for a bumbling idiot, or like, someone who doesn't understand the definition of insanity is doing the same thing again and again and again, and expecting different results. They are quite literally just injecting more and more politics and themes into the movies, and people... The consumers are fed up with it. Clearly, they're not going to see these movies. And I. this might scare the shit out of Disney. They might have to think of original ideas. Dear God, what will they possibly do? Because this movie did worse than Solo, which was supposedly a standalone Han Solo movie, which again, that that fell flat in its face as well. So... I think Disney got greedy. They bought Lucasfilms obviously to make a profit so they, they decided to make more Star Wars and worse, they started to make new um, Indiana Jones films. Are they, will they make their money? I know they said they have all the the toys from Star Wars. Maybe they're making, maybe they're breaking even. But I believe they, they gave George Lucas about $4 billion or $5 billion for all that high intellectual property. I mean, this might be the business blunder of the year in terms of the cinematography world or the entertainment world. But I can't imagine they're, they're certainly not making a profit on these Indiana Jones movies. And again, the Kingdom of Crystal Skull was garbage, and that flopped. So you're not having the same people who said, "Hey, this is the first time Indiana Jones here had a movie in you know, thirty plus years," or whatever. That's really gonna, that. You only get that one shot really to reinvigorate a brand or reinvigorate a cinematography or a movie franchise, and that movie was awful for many reasons. And of course, this one's doing worse because no one wants to see it. It'll be, it'll be hilarious to see who they blame for their continued business blunders. But for Disney to spend $300 to six hundred million to $900 million on the total cost of this Indiana Jones movie, to only make $60 million the first opening weekend, which, again, analysts usually say you make 67% of your total box office for the first uh, one or two or uh, two three weeks, that's got to be the business blunder of the day. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. We're trying to get up to 3,000 subscribers in July. So if you could take the time to click that button, I'd greatly appreciate it. Also, don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment. The feedback greatly helps the channel out as we try to get the production better and better and better over time. Also, don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers. Heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone to stay safe and fight the good fight.